We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. It's three sweeps in a row. Nine-game win streak we've got cooking right now going into Toronto. We said it after uh, right going into that first Baltimore series. The Yankees need to take care of business in this sort of easy schedule part before they go to Toronto because we know Toronto's going to hang around all year. And other than that first Baltimore series, they've done exactly that. Nine-game win streak, best record in baseball best run differential in the American League. Hot going into Toronto. Very hot. Very hot. Toronto also playing well, but that's what you expect. So the Yankees are taking care of business exactly like you said. This is the thing. This is probably the one of the biggest points of the season. I know we've put a microscope on Baltimore as, you know, kind of doubly important because of the AL East and, uh, you know, how, how that division is decided. Um, a lot of it might be against Baltimore. But when you go to Kansas City, you know, these are the games that you do need to take advantage of. And and the fact that they are going in, doing their job, you know, whether they are internally have a sense of urgency or whatever, whatever it is, they're doing it. And even when they fall down, they're getting back up in game, not 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 after in game. It's happening in real time. And I love to see it. So I'm very excited for this uh, for this this Toronto series because the guys are clicking. Uh, pitching staff is freaking playing very well. It's it's just going to be a fun series. Exactly. I tweeted out after the win on Sunday that th- the team feels different. If you want an example of why the team feels different, it's because I thought they played a very sloppy game on Sunday. Severino didn't have it. The defense, which has been fantastic during the win streak, Donaldson makes that error in the third inning. Kansas City takes the lead. It didn't let them that didn't get to them they still came back and they clawed and they also still left a ton of runners on base like things did not go their way in that game and they still won it i understand kansas city is not a playoff caliber team it doesn't matter they lost plenty of games last season to non-playoff teams because they just played like crap and they weren't good enough to win games in which they didn't play well now i understand it's, it's only may 2nd 
I like what I'm seeing, and that's what we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna call it like we see it, right? Like last year, we didn't like what we saw, so we we pointed that out. Right now, I like what I see. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to. They're they're doing those things. You're right. Yesterday was a good example of how this team has been has been just doing the right thing and sticking with a a a, a mindset that is is uh, keeping them in games and. You know, more more importantly, it's saying the same thing, but it's saying it differently. Not letting them get out of games. You know, not not giving up on games. Not not you know claiming defeat when things don't go your right way. They had opportunities yesterday um, in multiple innings with runners on. You know, they were getting on with with no outs, and they didn't convert. And then they just kept grinding, kept grinding, kept grinding, kept getting guys on base, and then good things happen. And when you Anytime I see DJ LeMayhew knock in IKF or IKF knock in LeMayhew, which would be a difficult task given their places in the in the um in the lineup. It's just it's so it's so sexy to me. I love seeing it. It's like the great you had like, to forget forget your chicks you dig the long ball. No no more chicks dig the long ball. Chicks dig and everybody digs the <laughs> the two out RBI single, you know, with with a with with multiple guys on base. It's just it's so beautiful seeing that then connect because you know why not only not only is it taking advantage of an opportunity with two outs um but at the same time it is a dagger to the other team when you have two outs runner on knowing what this team is and and how how much how dependent they have been um on the home run oh by the way also leading the league in home runs too which is crazy you can do both things but you get that that two out that two out knock to um to tie the game to get within one to take a lead like that is a backbreaker for the other side. So I love seeing that uh, because that those, I feel like on the other side of the team, like those hurt, those hurt more because you're just trying to get a guy out and he's just putting the ball in play and, and uh, good things are happening. So this team's fun to watch right now. You said, Oh, they can do both things. They can hit with runners on base. They can get base hits, but they can also hit home runs. That's the reason the Astros have been so good for the last few years. Cause they do both on the, on the offensive side. Yeah. They hit a lot of home runs, but they don't strike out a lot and they just get a lot of base hits. And I'm not even trying to allude to any cheating cheating scandals. No, they're just good hitters. And, and that's why they've been one of the best teams in baseball since 2017. And that's what we're watching from the Yankees offense on this win streak. The beautiful thing about that too is if you can if you can get into a rhythm as a team and you you know they've already started this by by putting the right people, the right players in the situation. But this is the type of stuff that translates into the postseason. You're not so dependent on the home run, but the home run's still coming. You have to pitch differently to different guys because they have different skill sets at the plate. And when you have that type of dynamic, you know, a pitching staff or or a starting pitcher, especially in the playoffs, when you're when you're facing a number one or a two, maybe a three, but usually a one or a two, these guys can they have to pitch differently. They have to change up their their repertoire to to pitch to a lineup that's more flexible, that's more dynamic, that can that can hurt you in different ways. And when you have that, like, that's just another mental battle that the other team has to overcome. Whereas you look at last year, you know, a pitcher just has to stay on his game, knows exactly what, how to attack pr- practically the entire lineup. And that's just not the case anymore. It, it, it gives you something different. Not only that, starting pitchers, but then when you start making changes and you're getting into your bullpen, managers got to think a hell of a lot more now about how to attack this lineup. And the bullpen, the Yankees bullpen, was phenomenal yet again on Sunday. That's I mean, the reason why the offense was able to come back without even getting necessarily the the bases clearing double or anything like that. Like even when Judd was up with bases loaded, he's got the check swing swinging bunt. Like right. that's how they scored the run. So it wasn't pretty. I know he hit the home runs as well. Talk about Judd in a second. But uh, the bullpen, the Yankees bullpen after Severino wasn't very good. The, the bullpen just shut things down. Like Clark Schmidt, Coming in again out of relief, and he was sent down. But then go right to Michael King, who continues to be elite in the bullpen. And so the bullpen's going to lock it down, and it gives the offense a chance to where they don't even have to necessarily be good with runners on base. They just need to do one or two things okay, and it's enough to win a game. And in this win streak, they've had games like that. But they've also had games where they've blown it out from the very beginning, or they've blown it out towards the end of the game, like on Friday night, where it was a close game, close game, and then they get a bunch of hits late to just seal the victory. So they've had those multiple kinds of wins throughout this streak. The uh, last episode, we were talking about 
um, Michael King and the type of role. And I was referring to starting pitchers occasionally, not having their best stuff and, and you know, having him to come in. That's exactly what happened yesterday, uh, Sunday with Severino. Severino, I give him a lot of credit. I, look, man, I got to give Boone credit too. He, he let him work through it. He came back out. He, he came back out for, was it the fifth inning, I think? And yep. a lot of people didn't think that he would come back out. But again, we're, you know, early May, early in the season. You've got to let your pitchers work through some of these things. They have to work through some of these things. If you're so quick to the trigger, and I know people have, there's so many people right now that when they watch, when they watch baseball or watch this team, they have like this playoff mindset where you have to, at any sign of trouble because of the way that the game is and, and how, how good your, your bullpen is, you have to go to them when there is a crux in the game. But early in the season, I'm of the opinion, uh, you know, even in, during the meat of the season, you've got to let your your starting pitchers continue to work through things because they have to build up confidence. They do have to still continue to build up arm strength. And you just can't go to the bullpen that easily all the time. And Severino is a guy that has shown that he can have one, maybe even two, like bad, mediocre innings and then still come back out and and uh, shut down a team um, because his arm feels good. So he's, he's got that ability and he's done it before and he did it this last time. But Michael King came in um, I mean, after Clark Schmidt, but those two guys are are pretty interchangeable in the sense that they can step in and throw two innings, three innings if need be, and that is such a a, uh, a an important fail safe to have, so, something so reliable to go back to, even if one of your guys is not having a good day. It's just it speaks volumes to how they have developed this um, this bullpen and the, and the pitching staff in general. I think. It's about picking your spots when you let your starters maybe push it a little bit. And I thought Boone picked a good spot there on Sunday. You're, you're already on an eight-game win streak. I'm not saying you're trying to punt Sunday's game, but you're facing the Royals, okay? And you've got the Blue Jays coming up, which is a far more uh, difficult team and important series, without an off day before you fly to Toronto. So even if you can get one less inning out of your bullpen, that could have an impact on Monday's game, sure. which I care about winning a hell of a lot more than I cared about winning Sunday's game. Absolutely. And and you also knew, you know, the, the, there's a roster game to play as well, because if Schmidt came in and threw whatever he did, um, that he was going to get optioned and they have another opportunity for uh, potentially another arm, whatnot. Like, I, look, to the to we're in May 2nd right now recording this. Like I'm, I'm tip of the cap to Aaron Boone so far. I think he's done a really good job for real. Like, you know, as much as we shit on this guy, got to give him some praise here because the way that he's managed the lineup, the way that he's managed um, the guys in the field. I know we'll talk about Stanton playing in the field multiple four days started, in a row. Started in the field four out of five games. Yeah. So he's doing, he's making adjustments in real time. He, he seemingly is, is pulling the right strings so far with, with, uh, what he's doing and got to so give him credit for that because he's got the pulse right now. This goes back to the question. Is it the manager or is it the players? Like everyone was shitting all over Boone, us included. I mean, me specifically over the past couple of years and everyone's saying, well, it's the players on the field. It's the players on the field. They need to perform. I never denied that. But when the players are performing, the manager looks good. Like, isn't it funny how that works out? So has Boone, have you noticed enough in Boone's uh, managing style that's changed where you're saying tip of the cap? Or do you think it's a product of, well, the team is winning, they're in first place, so the manager's obviously going to look good? He's got He's got a different situation this year in the sense that he's got 10 starters on any given day and nine spots to fill, essentially. Um, and And... So I think he's managed that very well. Yes, of course, the team playing well helps everything. Every single thing you can possibly think of that happens in baseball. If you're playing well and winning, it helps no matter what. But that said, I think he's managed the pitching staff very well. He's managed the the guys playing in the field well. And, you know, everybody's getting their at-bats. They're they're doing what they need to do. And it's and it's work, it's translating into positive things. So whether that's you know, Boone reacting to what's happening here or Boone putting guys in positions to win. Either way, that's his job is to uh, to do the things that that he feels are correct in that moment to put his guys in a position. So yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's a little of both. When the players perform on the field, the manager's decisions obviously look good, but there are other things, and you pointed to like the lineup decisions. Like those are just Boone. And he has a lot sure of decisions to make with this team on a daily basis. He does. Yeah. And it's not only him making the decisions, it's him and his coaches and probably heavy influence from the front office, which, fine. Um, 
but the decisions have been. I, I, don't, I don't think the front office is is in, is is mixing in on day to day. I mean, I know so? you believe that. I don't think so. No, they got too many. They have too many managers now in the in the room in the in the in the dugout in the clubhouse. I mean, well, everything we've heard from people in the know say that the front office analytics department provides Boone and his coaches with information. Maybe sometimes influ- like to try and influence a decision like we saw that, which is why Debbie Garcia was the opener in game two of an ALDS series. You're saying they- analytics department. I'm not considering that's, the front office. What, what, what do you mean? They're, 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 okay, you when know, I say front office, I don't only mean, I don't only mean Brian Cashman. I mean, Brian. Well, that's what it sounds like when you say front office to me, it sounds like, it sounds like personal. It sounds like uh, authoritative figures in the, in the the Yankees regime. That's what that sounds like. I don't think there's any organization in baseball that doesn't have any influence from quote unquote front office departments, whether you want to call that analytics or whatever. I think analytics are now part of like almost part of like coaching the coaching staff essentially. Right. Okay, fine. So there's Boone and his, his in dugout coaches and then there's analytics department in the in the bowels of Yankee Stadium. And this is cross-functional. They're getting they're getting information from the analytics people yes. to make decisions. But yes, they're informing the coaches to make these decisions. But at the end of the day, and train and training staff too. Like training sure. staff also has yeah. a big like they're all, I think that's yes. You're right. The, because they're load management, whatever word you want to call it, they're they're tracking how many how many steps Giancarlo Stanton takes in the outfield every day and like all this stuff factors in there. They're impacting why Aaron Judge gets a day off in Kansas City, you know, ahead of the Toronto series, which we hope he plays all three games on the turf. Um, so that, that, all that, all that, that's the third piece of, of the decision tree. I just wanted to clarify because the way that you're saying it sounds like there's a wall between the two and there's like, you know, uh, a, a, a messenger being delivering, you know, front office information to the coaching staff. I think everybody, it, when you're with the analytics piece, like they're very much interfused with the day to day of what the coaching staff is reviewing and seeing. And then the decisions are being made from the coaching staff with the influence of whomever is, is there. I, it's yes. probably daily meetings. That they oh, for have. sure. Where they it's discuss, not a daily memo. <laughs> it's daily memo followed by a, by a conference call where they discuss all of these things for the upcoming game and upcoming series, maybe upcoming week, so you can plan ahead. It's like, okay, you know, we want to make sure that Judd gets an off day in the couple days leading up to the Toronto series or something like that. Exactly, and I think that's just part of their day to day routine now. So. I'm fine with that. That's, that's good. They're all they're working together to make decisions, and that's how they should do it. There's nobody should be mandating one thing. But at the end of the day, Aaron Boone and his coaching staff are the ones making the final call. I I do believe that. The calendar turned to May. Aaron Judge hit the two bombs yesterday. His OPS is over a thousand, and his OPS plus is 198, which means roughly he's been two x the offensive, uh, two times better than the average offensive player in the league this year. So through about a month of baseball. His bet on himself in a contract year seems to be working out quite nice for Aaron Judge. Yeah. He played pretty well last year, too. So, you know, it's, it's you know, he's betting on himself to, I guess, double back again. Duplicate um, his 2021. That's what he's just, betting on I know, himself but, it, you know, really, what if you got, does anybody doubt that he could duplicate that if he's on the field? I don't think anybody doubted that. I don't no, think but that's anybody... the big thing. You have to stay on the field and you also have to put up the numbers. If you're going to be a eight-year contract player worth $35, $36 million AAV, you need to play almost every day and you need to put up MVP caliber numbers. That's my point, though, is I don't think anybody's doubting Judge's uh, ability to perform when he's on the field. So by him, you know, betting on himself and it's going well so far, yeah, like he's still on the field because I think everybody expects him to play well when he's there. So this is a, this is a long bet for him because he's got to stay healthy. Five months to go. Yeah. But I mean, when but he's what healthy, if he was? On, I think everybody expects him to perform. But there's a scenario in which he got off to a slow start, and then everyone's starting to say, "Oh, maybe the contract is getting into his head. Maybe it's a distraction. Maybe he should have just signed, so he didn't have to worry about it." So if he, instead of hitting what he is, a thousand OPS, one ninety eight OPS plus, if he had a one hundred two OPS plus, and he was basically league average, people might be saying something else right now. And even if he is on the field, sure, it may be a little bit more stressful for him, but. Um... Yeah, at the end of the day, he's got to stay on the field. 
And the the series, you know, the, the Kansas City series, one of those things. It's like um, I think back to the last couple seasons, and the Yankees actually surprisingly did play decently well against non AL East inferior in po- opponents. However, it still didn't feel like that. Like if you look at their record, it it they took care of business against the Kansas City Royals and and the Los Angeles Angels type teams that are not good. Los but Angeles Angels might not be in that category anymore, but keep going. Well, la- the last like last couple of years, the the Angels of the last couple of years, fine. The Minnesota the Twins, they were always there, but the Twins are also good this year too. Twins were always the team that the Yankees would beat up on whenever they needed something good to happen. Oh, are the twin? When are the Twins coming to town? Very different we, scenario. We just we own Minnesota Twins, so. right? So, but like it's one of these weekend series. It's like okay, we know everyone's just looking forward to the Toronto series. That that was sort of my mindset going into it because I, I am very pumped for this Toronto series. Yeah, oh, absolutely. This is, I mean, rubber meets the road. Give me a, any cliche that that fits the bill here. It's a. Uh, it's going to be exciting. These are the these are right now the top two teams in the AL East. Um, Tampa still going to be there, but but yeah, these guys are hungry. You know damn well that Toronto's circling it as well. This is uh, this is something that you know it's been a very long time since the Yankees have played in Toronto. Uh, that's another element that is is going to be you know I'm sure everybody's excited for it because there's a, a level of like anticipation and hype and just um, just the feeling of a big game. The, the I I would I would imagine the place is going to be rocking and packed. They're going to be excited for them to get back there, um, and for the Yankees to have a a in division opponent like the Yankees come into town. Uh, it's not Buffalo, it's not it's not Florida. You know, it's it's Toronto. Dunedin. It's it's Dunedin. back in Dunedin. the we ain't in Buffalo anymore. Yeah, yeah, no more Dunedin. So this is the opportunity for the fans to really uh, get in get involved and back into the rivalry as well, which is exciting. You know, again, as a fan, I I, I love it. I I want. I like the high intensity, the high tension games against good, uh, good opponents. And then this is a young, hungry team. And can I just say, I'm really happy that we don't have to spend 45 minutes talking about why Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo aren't going to be playing in this, in this series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's nice. I'm glad because the Red Sox had to deal with that earlier in the season. Players didn't, yeah. weren't able to play. With, so the Red Sox, who have not been off to a good start this year, have had to deal with that sort of shit. And that kind of thing can can ruin a team. I think when I when think it could ruin a team, I think it can affect the team. Sure, a little bit, but but yeah, I don't non, know if it's a if it's a distraction. Point, which is great. Say Aaron Judge and and Anthony Rizzo didn't get vaccinated and were not able to play this week. I think that is a massive distraction for this team. It is a distraction. It's not a good thing. I mean, we saw what happened if you're going to a different sport uh, in the NBA and look what happened with Kyrie. That entire thing. Right. I mean, that was elongated. Uh, um, scenario with with him not being able to play in home games, but but yeah, it's a huge distraction. There's no doubt. It would be less of a distraction with you know a a a, a uh, three game set, but but yeah, I hear you. Saturday, Garrett Cole through to Trevino yet again. So second time in a row. I think one time the first time it was test. All right, let's test it out. See how it goes. Second time, mm, this is a pattern forming. If Trevino catches. For a third time, I think we declare a new personal catcher. You can declare your personal catcher all you want. You know, know you right. like living in misery with your personal catcher scenario because you love to hate it. I don't even necessarily care as much this year because <laughs> Higgy Trevino, like, what does it matter? Yeah, you just, go with the Hawkeye at that point. Like, we know he can throw to Higgy. This is such a non-issue at all. Of course, he's going to throw to the guy. I I took the other side of it just just to be just to take the other side of it last time. We're like. You know who who's going to show up, but I don't care at all. I really don't. It doesn't matter. They both can clearly catch him. Uh, Cole has a r- r- rapport with both guys. You need three to be a pattern, to be honest. Like two is not a pattern. It's not a pattern. Three. I think a pattern becoming is a pattern because then you become repeatable. It hasn't become repeatable totally yet. So you're but saying yeah. three is a pattern, then four is a personal catcher. At what point are you declaring personal catcher? Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Garrett Cole, he uh, threw to Trevino yet again. He was good again. He got a, he got a few strikeouts looking, which I thought was interesting, and also on his fastball in big spots with runners on. So I don't know if that's a product of maybe the Royals hitters sitting on something off speed and not getting it, because you don't normally see strikeouts looking in two strike counts with uh, guys on base and a fastball. Like Usually you're ready to hit the fastball. You're going to at least pull the trigger. But 
he was able to get that, which I, I don't know, maybe he was just keeping the, the Royals hitters off balance. Well, that and also, you know, what's interesting is if they're if they're looking at Cole's starts from the year too, that can be a, probably a little um, a little confusing or a little, throw you off a little bit if you start to see because he wasn't able to control that fastball early days. But he if was working at, backwards early in the season. Working yeah, backwards, so if you're lo- meaning if they're looking off speed at that, early, fastballs late. And if they're looking at that at all as like a as a pattern, that's a dangerous pattern to look in because you just look at the rest of his career and you won't see that, but. Um, yeah, clearly they were not looking at the fastball or they were, you know, like, let's make him dot that fastball and prove that he can control his own. And whoops, it it, it didn't work. <laughs> I just thought of something. So you know how Tom Brady's favorite receiver is the open receiver? Garrett Cole's favorite catcher is the backup catcher. Who's the backup catcher? Well, in this case, it's Trevino. Maybe. He's just part of the platoon. But I would Eddie argue that there's no starting catcher. Was the starting catcher. He started opening day. The same way Gary Sanchez was the starting catcher last year. Come on. Everyone knows who starts on opening day is the starting catcher. IKF is the backup catcher. He's the third string catcher. Yeah. Nice to have. Nice so to have. Whenever Rortvet is ready to come back, Garrett Cole is going to be all about them biceps. I don't even know how Rortvet gets on this team, to be honest, right. unless someone does hurt. So he needs an injury. What's the point yeah. of that? There's no, no there's, there's no literally no point in that. Like that he, well, Tre- he Trevino has been very good. And yeah. actually Trevino, in my mind, in my eyes, has been a lot better defensively than Higgy. I think Higgy's had some lazy moments where he's let some pass balls go by. And um I just thought Tre- I think Trevino has been rock solid behind the plate. There's no way you take him off this roster if he's healthy. Oh, hell no. No, no, no. The the tandem of the two of those guys is is exactly what this team needs. I mean Look no further than than how they're playing. Look no further than how this co- this pitching staff is going. You do not disrupt that. You just don't. You don't. You don't do it. The fact that they're leading, or you know, as of the twentieth, they were leading in uh, percentage fielding percentage. You don't mess with things like that. Like that. That's a that's a beautiful stat because that means what they intentionally did in this offseason is working. They intentionally did that. They 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 put defense at a higher priority. And what's happening, they are executing upon that. And the team is winning, and they're leading the league in defense, really. You don't you don't mess with that. And H- Higgy has not been hit. I mean, the catching position has not been hitting overall, but Higgy's been pretty bad. But I don't see a scenario in which the Yankees take him off the roster either. So, no. Rortvet doesn't make it. Which, like, who cares? Like, Rortvet was a no, throw Nobody in cares. Beast. Nobody cares. I have yeah. people have forgotten his name. The, the, um, I'll never forget. <laughs> I, uh, look, man, I, I've said this b- before and I truly mean it. Like, I really don't care about the catcher production. As long as you play good defense, offensive You know why you I don't mean. care about it? Because the rest of the team is filthy. <laughs> yes. That's why. Because the rest of the team is performing. If one through eight wasn't hitting, we'd be like, well, the catching's also not hitting. Like, this is bullshit. What are we doing here? Then then fix the rest of your team, which they, which they have done. But that's the whole point. When you have the other guys, you know, strategically placed and, and you know, working off of each other, skill set wise you have them staggered through the lineup then again like anything you get offensive from the catcher is gravy their primary primary job and duty is to take care of the pitching staff and to play good defense primary that's it that like that is anything you get offensively to me is great so i talked about this with brian kenny by the way episode was posted earlier this morning with brian kenny i recorded it friday before the royal series really Awesome to talk to. I know he's been on the show a couple of times, but you were the one who had talked to him. So yeah, it's been a few years since he got back on, and I was you know very pumped to talk about him. I've been watching Brian Kenny on you know baseball analysis all the way back to Baseball Tonight and all that stuff. So he's definitely he's got some polarizing takes. There's no doubt about it. People, people I think people love to hate Brian Kenny sometimes, but this. He changed- he's really interesting, and he and he speaks with conviction. There's no doubt. He also has you know in talking to him, he's kind of admitted that things have been taken too far in the league. And he's like, too many times people just aren't using their eyeballs. Like how with Joey Gallo, the the shredder, which is the thing you talked to him last time when Didi was not even ranked in the shredder and he's lighting up the scoreboard. And Joey Gallo was ranked number one left fielder in baseball, according to the shredder. And and Brian Kenny's part this year. This year, Brian Kenny didn't personally rank Joey Gallo even in the top 10. And he's like, because I use my eyes and he has horrific at-bats. So I'm sorry, just because he runs into 30 home runs does not make him a top 10 left fielder. And I'm like, 
thank you. Like, thank you for admitting that. Thank you for looking past the spreadsheet and using your eyes because this is still something you have to watch humans play and you can you can see what they're good and what they're bad at and where the deficiencies are. And it doesn't mean Joey Gallo is useless, but let's not overrate him just because certain metrics are are saying barrel, something. Barrel percentage is the one that 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 threw me for a loop when when uh when I'm hearing more about barrel percentage and how that that stat could be definitely exploited in in whichever way you want. That's one of those uh right. funky ones that that he will be be very high on. But yeah, no. Honestly, dude, like this 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 uh this may not be a a popular take, but when you know, Joey Gallo got pulled on Saturday um with a the look like left groin was um not feeling great. And he's day to day, like a pretty true day to day. It seems that, that he's, um, that he's going to be back in the game. He was out today, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing in Toronto, they have not made any moves and Andohar was sent back down with Clark Schmidt. But when that, when that well, injury popped to, up, the, the rosters are, no, I know. But when that injury popped up, I, I, and again, Andohar was still there. I was, Part of me was expecting to see like a, an IL, 10-day IL, and Andor stays up for the Toronto series. Thought that might might actually be the case. And when I saw that scenario, I'm like, eh, I don't actually hate that. I actually think this team might be better with Miguel Andor in the lineup, to be honest. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't and he know got a couple hits yesterday, too. But he did, but I don't know. But like left, that's completely punting your left field defense. He's not as bad as you think he is. He he's plays no, a he fine is. left field. No, he it's, doesn't. He doesn't he's, he's, kill you. He's no, yeah, he does. He's no, he's, he doesn't. Okay. He's proof that. He does. No, he he's bad. Really go back. Bad. Go go. Point at your defensive analytics and let's let's. Uh, it's let's not even that. Those. It's just he's not a left. He's not a defensive player. He's, no, he's, he's not. Hitter. He's not a defensive player. But again, in left field, unless you're talking about like a very difficult left field, it's not that hard. <laughs> it's just not that hard of a position. <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying Joey Gallo limping around out there is Miguel Andujar better, sure, I'll, I'll grant you that. Or do the at bats like his? Do I mean Joey Gallo hasn't played the greatest left field this year either? That no, was part of no. the, the reason why um, he's been I'm their worst him. player. He's been yeah. their worst player, absolutely. So, so you get a Miguel Andujar in there who can play like you know a league average, maybe a little under average defense on left field. But what does that 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 swing above just above average and then below average give you in left field? Like, does it really make that much of a difference? I, I would argue that no. Uh, but his at-bats are just so much better. I just remember the reason why I was going to refer to the Brian Kenny podcast is because when you were talking about the Yankees' defensive catching and they made that a priority this offseason, Brian Kenny, I talked to him about what the Yankees did at catcher removing Sanchez, and he's like, yeah, I just look at the Rays and what they've done with the catching position over the past decade, and it's like, you don't even know who these players are, and you're scratching your head, why are they bringing these players in? Oh, it's because they can frame, and they can play defense behind the plate, and that's all we care about. Yes. Please, please, please make this a long-term thing in the New York Yankees organization. Yes, this is so very true and right. Every now and again, you're going to have a cornerstone catcher come along, right? Yes, we thought few it and far between, though. They're, that yes. is probably the most, the most uh, you know, premium position to have someone like that in. It's, it's the most difficult nowadays. to have. Especially now where offensive catchers are very rare. And if that comes around, then yes, of course, you 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 stick with that because it's so valuable. We thought it was going to be Gary Sanchez, and it didn't turn out to be Gary Sanchez. So they needed to move on. They moved on too late, and as we discussed, but they finally moved on. But that's the reason they stayed with him for so long is because if you if you can possibly get that prolific offensive catcher back and still have some defensive prowess behind the plate, I'm using I'm using like a scouting combine words, but you that's it's a. You know, that's a unicorn. You 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 have to yeah. see that through as long as you possibly can. And if you are if you are to pass up on it too early and they go somewhere else and 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 you know show that the um they have those offensive skills still, then you're gonna get raked. Uh so that's part of like I understand it's it's like catnip. It's uh it, it's hard to pass up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, so some numbers behind the Yankees and their winning streak. The offense has been awesome. Uh, Stanton, 348 during the streak with two homers. Judge, 320 with three homers. IKF, your boy hitting 350. Even Glaber getting into the action. 348 with a dinger. Rizzo, 333, four home runs. It's just like when he started off Friday's game with another home run, I'm like, okay, Anthony freaking Rizzo, here we go again. And LeMay, Hugh hitting 303. It would probably be more like 350 if he didn't go over. I think he went over on Saturday night and, and that plummeted his average. But the key guys in the offense, all those that I just list, listed, have been carrying it. Yeah, it's good to see. I mean, when you see through uh when you see that many hot guys that are that are hot, that's awesome. Rizzo's been unbelievable worldly so far this year. And Glaber, Glaber's not making a ton of noise on the offensive side, but he's having much better at bats. You see over the last nine games, like there's consistency there um, for him getting back in. You know, he's he's making defensive blunders. He will always make defensive blunders, but He's not killing the Yankees with the offensive side, and hopefully that can with take the him over the offensive side. <laughs> hopefully with that can take him over the hump for the, his entire game. Give him a little bit more of a uh, a confidence, you know. And again, like he's gonna he's going up against the the Blue Jays. He's making Aaron Boone's decisions that much more difficult when you have a a you know a streak like this, and you're and you're starting to pick the bat up and play and play well because Boone does have a decision with um with Lemayhu and where he's going to play on um, a day to day basis. What name didn't I mention there? Donaldson. Josh, Josh Donaldson. For a reason. Right. So the move is when Donaldson's out, you move DJ over to third. But if if we're just talking about who's the better second baseman, it's not even a choice. So I'm going to pick a couple nits here. I, I know you wanted to hold this till later You're gonna in the You're going to pick episode. a couple nits? I've never heard it f- reversed that way. Picking nits? I've heard nit picking, but I've never heard anybody say they're going to pick nits. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, well, where have I heard that? I don't, I don't think heard, anybody, I don't think it's ever been said in the English language. To be honest, I've definitely heard that, and I just can't think Picking of where I've heard it. Picking nits, nit picking. Yeah, but I don't know if anybody's ever picked a. Nit. Someone tell me where I've. I don't know. Anyway, the Glaber play on on Friday night when he's trying to run down Witt Junior. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Just get rid of the ball. Witt Junior's fast. You're not fast. He made you look silly. And Glaber's so lucky that Witt. Junior just overslid the bag because that could have actually potentially been a big inning. The Royals ended up scoring later in that inning, but if he's safe at third, which he was, he just overslid, then that's even bigger of an inning. Uh, the play is like, you you, you just got to get rid of it after, after you take two steps. Cortez picks him off second, throws it to Glaber covering the bag. Two steps, Glaber knows he's going to be beat, but he still tried to chase him down, and you got to get rid of the ball. 
And that, I mean, th- that's Little League stuff too. When you're when you're running a guy towards the base he's going to, you get rid of it early so that he can be stopped. You're not you're not trying to chase it down. So this goes back to instincts instincts with Glaber, and they're just lacking. They're the, when he's in the field, when he's on the base path, there is there is a disconnect sometimes with him and and what is fundamental and and should be instinctual from a baseball player at the professional level. There's just some of that that's that's cloudy for him. Hopefully, you know, as time and reps and more, and he's only been playing baseball for, you know, 18 years of his life. But as he goes on further, hopefully they are drilled in. But yeah, he lacks it for sure. And then later in the game, not too soon after, he loses a pop-up in the sky. Now, that could have just been a fluke. Like, you lose a pop-up, you lose a pop-up. It happens to everyone. But part of me is like, well, is he thinking about that play that he he messed up earlier? No, that, he's not thinking about the play in the middle of a pop up. Because that, that doesn't happen in real in, in real time. Not in the not legitimately in the middle of a pop up. He just misplayed the ball, which is again part of instincts that you have in the field. And just like it's it the was swirling, it's the snowball he, effect with Glaber that he he when one thing goes wrong, it derails his game. He can't block it out and put it behind him and make a good play the next play. No, he has to mess up the next play because he just messed up a play. That's how Glaber plays. But also mechanically, it was sloppy. It's, it's sloppy mechanics and footwork in order to get to a ball All like around. that too, they, to make adjustments. So it's both. All right. One more. One more. But he's nit. been good in the field. But he's been good at the plate. He's been good at the plate. And he's not killing them right now. You make plays like that against Toronto, they are in a spotlight. Sure. You can't lose division games. It's much more important. And then it's like if the division comes down to a game or two, which I still think it's going to, do you point to those individual plays throughout the season that you botched and potentially lost to 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 the Blue Jays? Uh, one more, one more picking nits nits to pick. The Rizzo trying to steal third base. So thrown out. I know you hate this. I know you. Hate I hate this. this because there's just no upside. It, there's two outs. There's a left-handed batter up, and you're trying to steal third, and you're out. He did it earlier in the season, and I hated it then. But he was safe, so it's like okay, you're not going to crush a guy because he was safe. But I'm like, that's just stupid baseball. That is not a smart baseball play. Even if you're Ricky Henderson, I'm sorry. It's not worth it. The upside is not there. One out, sure. Even zero outs, which I know never make the first or the third out at third. Zero outs, I can understand it a little bit more because sack flies can happen. Outs, you can still score. Two outs, you're running on contact. Don't do it. Was the uh, the last time he stole, Was there were there two outs? Yes, I think so. The last time. So the two out thing, I understand very much. So, you know, there's, there really is no upside unless you, unless you think that Anthony Rizzo, or he thinks that, you know, even on a single, it may be hard for him to score. That may be part of the thinking. I don't know. But what I will say from, from Rizzo is he's a sneaky, sneaky base dealer. And even on that one last night, uh, yesterday, he like pulled up right before the bag. If he runs through like I don't think he thought the ball was going to get thrown. I don't know. Some he he pulled up for some reason. If he runs all the way through, he's easily safe. And he, I mean, he almost beat it anyway. But yeah, two outs, not not the right thing to do. But instinctually on the base path, like he had the base stolen. Like he he does have a knack for for feeling the game there. I understand. He had the base the stolen. Out. He had the base stolen. Do you know why he wasn't safe? Because he got the ball beat him there. Because <laughs> he's not that fast. Okay, but again, that's that's be, part of like no, he's not that fast, and he knows that. That's why he he does so rely don't on his steal third base with two outs. You can be a good base runner and not be the fastest guy. Actually, there's plenty of good base runners. Yeah. by reading balls, are they going to fall? All all these sorts of things that sure. make you potentially better base runners than fast guys who just run blindly. Yep. So I'm not I'm not knocking his base running skills. I'm knocking the decision before the pitch is thrown. For him to say, I'm going to try to steal this base. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a tough look with two outs because even even if you don't think you're fast on second base, you're still jumping at the um, crack of a bat because there's two right. outs. So you have a step. Any any runner on second base with two outs should score on a base hit. Yeah, you're getting you're being sent. No no doubt about it. Every time. So before we you should preview, have a good secondary and a good jump off the bat. I want to preview the Jays in a second, but do you have any thoughts on the Apple TV broadcast on Friday? It's not good, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you know, someone noted in the put it on our notes, like the whole the the probability percentage in the bottom right. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to see that every time. It's so stupid. I, I don't care. <laughs> they, it's like they telling were me very specific. Like probability to hit into a double play here, like 17%. I'm like, oh, oh. It, it makes my mind melt. 
when and it's like it's like seeing the percentages to who's going to win the division in May. Like I don't give a shit. These percentages mean absolutely nothing. They're so ridiculous. You're just trying to th- show a metric to act like you're smart. It doesn't mean shit. There's so there nothing. Was- there's been a month of the season. Like get out of my face with these with these these percentages of of getting on base or hitting into a double play. It's I and any of- broadcast real quick. Any broadcast that's new, of course we're going to shit on. Like everybody's yeah. going to do that. That that is like. The first thing you do is you shit on something new like that because Listen. they are not the voices you're used to. They don't see the the players play on a daily basis. And in baseball, that is so important to know what you're looking at, like really, really know it. It was Chris Chris Young was was calling it, right? Was Chris Young in there? I think Chris Young was one of the guys. I don't even know who else was there's in the booth. I, just, two, I heard like five voices. Two, there was two girls and Chris Young. I, I don't remember the girl's names, whatever. Sorry. Katie Nolan wasn't there, was she? I thought she I normally does it, but I don't, I don't think, think she Nolan. was there for this one. Chris Young, when they did the four outfield shift against Gallo, Chris Young was blown away. He's like, I've never seen this before. I'm like, how They've been doing it all year. Joey Gallo has been getting four outfield shifted for like three years. Have you not watched baseball for three years, Chris Young? How have you not seen this? How is this Chris, not in the preparation? Chris Young's been trying to make the back end of a roster for three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was also some, the, with the probabilities. I put the note in there at the bottom. It was a zero-zero count on. I forget who was up. Uh, it was either IKF or Lemayhu, and it was like twenty-two percent to get a hit here. I'm like, but he's hitting three fifteen. So how is it only a twenty-two percent? I guess it's in nothing. Nothing counts. So on yes, first pitches. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. So it's a, it changes per pitch. It's just too much. It's just like over. All right, we get it. You have a number for this. I'm just glad. I mean, whatever. It's one time. I know they're going to probably play another Apple TV game at some point, but everyone, it was not a good broadcast, but can everyone just relax a little bit like about the broadcast? Like it's the, it's all people talked about all night was how bad the broadcast is. I, look at you. Look in the mirror. You do the same thing with Kim when Kim Mabin's there talking about it. Everybody does the same thing. When when Flaherty and not, Beltron are calling a game, everybody's Flaherty like, I can't is listen. like paint drying, okay? But I didn't mention Flaherty once, and I have not mentioned Cameron Mabin on Twitter once this year. I've mentioned him to you guys because I think he's terrible, but I have not mentioned Cameron Mabin on Twitter because people seem to like him, and I don't want to be shamed. <laughs> I think he's good, especially with Ruko. I think that they have a fun dynamic, and it's fun. I've been very outspoken. Like I like it when former players are are talking because you hear different nuances that you would not hear normally. So I do like that. This team of people, it's just when you get a broadcast that does is not like intimately familiar with your team, it's painful because you're looking at this like everybody, every Yankees fan who watches all the games is listening to this and watching this and hearing them are like, I know way more than you about this team and how these guys play. And that's that's infuriating when you when you know more than the people talking on uh, on air, and it's very clear. I wonder they just like broadcast should just hire like consultants, like of fans of the team, pay them a couple hundred dollars to just give them like a page worth of bullet points about the team and and like insider insider talking points. I mean. They, they uh, unfortunately, the what it felt like on Friday of listening to that is that they were just reading stats, like consistently yeah. just reading stats. And I'm like, okay, the producer puts put this stat page in front of you. You don't need to just read off of it and and then give like a generic reaction to said stat. Did you see my Did you see my tweet that I don't want to say it went viral. It did well. People people big mad. So I tweeted out as the announcers were like saying how good the Royals Yankees rivalry was in the 70s I tweeted out I don't think anyone who remembers the Royals Yankees rivalry can find this broadcast yeah the 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 amount of people who are like I was there for the 1977 ALCS and I found it in no time dude relax it was a fucking joke everyone calm down I hope my mom doesn't listen to this part of the show, but yeah, there's not a chance in hell she's finding that broadcast. My dad didn't know what the hell was going on. My dad's like, where's the game? I'm like, just listen to the radio, dad. I'm not even going to try and get you on this broadcast. Because uh, I would have had to have I, him, I would have had to have him download Apple TV to the, to his TV and then log in with my password. No chance of him getting in before the fifth <laughs> inning. I was like, just put the radio on. It's like me being stuck at LaGuardia for, uh, and getting there in the fifth inning of the ALCS game. The, the, uh, 
yeah, it, it was, it's tough. Okay. Let's uh, talk about the Blue Jays series, which I said I'm very excited about. We're going to go over the best game to bet on. And of course, we're using WinBet to do it. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. They bring the excitement of betting on the floor at the casino to wherever you are in the app. You can sign up today to receive a special offer. You bet 10 bucks, you win 200. Download, bet, win, and use code BLUEWIRE when you do so. All right, Scott, what game are we eyeballing for this three-game series? There's one game I got to go to. Got to go back to it because I've been talking about how I think it's a difficult matchup for the Blue Jays lineup, and that's nasty Nestor Cortez. I mean, obviously, they've seen him once already, uh, did have some struggles with him. But again, I think that Nestor is that type of guy where he's... um, He's going to mix and match and and still continue to keep them off balance. The only caveat I have, the only concern that I have is that he's pitching the third game of the series with Montgomery uh, first, who does a similar type of mixing and matching. And then Tyone, who does throw a lot. He throws harder, but he also throws uh, a good amount of pitches that they'll be a little bit more accustomed to, to not seeing that like dynamic fastball because they're not going to see that throughout here. So they 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 will be making some adjustments i think uh in in um in series and it won't be as new for that one but i think Nestor will keep them off balance enough and kakuchi's on the other side and the yankees That's have big. good numbers against them i like the matchup so offensively you know even if Nestor is is got a bit i think he will limit that damage and i think the yankees can get to kakuchi so therefore i'm throwing i'm throwing my 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 cache on that on that game i'm with you LeMahieu, Torres, Judge, Gallo, IKF, and Hicks have all hit Kikuchi pretty well in the past. And and again, this isn't just about what pitcher we think is going to dominate. It's about what game do we think the Yankees are going to win? Like, what's the, in our minds, what game do we think they have the best chance? And I love the matchup against Kikuchi. I think the Yankees can feast on him. I don't like them facing Manoa. He's been pitching so well, and he dominated them last time. Uh, Manoa, he is 4-0 so far this year with a 144 ERA. And he's going up against Tyon. Not that Tyon's been bad, but like if we're just talking pitching matchup, I don't like that in the Yankees' favor. And Monday's game, listen, it's one of those weird things. The Yankees coming off a nine-game win streak, three sweeps in a row. And this is a huge game. I think the Blue Jays, it's going to be a packed house probably. It's going to be fired up. You know, it's one of those, do you believe in do sort of things? Are the Yankees due for a loss? I still think the Yankees are capable of winning the series somehow scratching and clawing to two wins but but I don't I don't really love the fact that they're coming off the nine games and then the first game in Toronto with the Blue Jays who are also playing well seven and three in their last ten fired up and then in game two facing Manoa so you know I'm not saying the Yankees are going to lose two out of three but if there's one game I think they're going to win it's the third game um it's going to be no doubt tonight there's going to be a lot of adrenaline going so they have to they have to come out like amped up ready for this game. I think that's, uh, you know, the first three innings are going to be, or the first two innings really are going to be very important uh, because you know damn well that Toronto is going to be, I have a feeling they're going to be swinging early. They're going to be trying to jump on Jordan Montgomery. This is not the type of game where they're sitting back and being patient. So if Montgomery is able to locate his off-speed stuff early in in tonight's game, I could see him getting um, a good amount of swings and misses because I think that the the Blue Jays players are going to be very aggressive tonight. Um, And this could be a, you know, if if all goes well for them, you know, three nothing after the first three nothing after, you know, three three four runs after the first two because they're going to be jumping on uh, fastballs. So we'll see how he can locate. We'll see what the game plan is. But there's a lot of like in game things that are very interesting for this whole this whole series. Um, and I, I I like I like the fact that Tyone Tyone that that middle game is really important for the Yankees and for Tyone because if they do lose this the 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 game one you know again coming in with nine game win streak not totally not unheard of for them to drop this game but at the same time Tyone at that point now is like is tasked with the um with the ability to or tasked with the job to get them to a third game that's decisive and and that's a big deal that's a big pressure game for him so I'm excited to you know whether he wins it or not like that's or, you know whether they win the first game or not it's a big game for him to come out there and go up against Manoa who's also been outspoken like he's jarred he's John at the Yankees as well so there's there's some juice going into that game yeah, the last the last game of that series that they played in New York, where Severino was yelling at the Blue Jays dugout, and Manoa was one of the leaders, you know, chirping back. Yeah, 
a lot of fire between these two teams. I still, if I'm if I'm a betting man, which I am going to be betting on on the third game, if I'm a betting man, there's going to be a brawl between these two teams this year. Oh, but yeah, maybe there's definitely there's definitely uh, you know. No love, no love lost for between these guys, and I love it. I like that a lot. Sure, that, and that that's makes why it, that as makes it talk, so much more fun. As you're talking about, like, oh, we got to get to a decisive third game. People might be saying, "Let's, it's it's early May. You're talking about a three game series. I don't know. It's 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 like a it's like a mini win throughout the season to yeah. to win two out of three in Toronto. It's a like, battle, I, I, it's a battle I in the war. I understand it's like you know whatever. It's just a win or a loss in the column, but that's I think it's a huge series. It is a huge series, and it's it's just it's one for you know it's a confidence builder, and I, I, every single time they play is a big series. So not to say that the May is bigger than any any time else. Like yes, there may be more implications later in the season because you know we're, there's not as many games to play, but it's still very very important. You know, especially like we've said, the AL East is going to be decided with how you play against those opponents, and Baltimore taking care of business. Like you got to come out. 500, understanding that if you're going to lose a series here, you got to win the next one. Or if you're going to win a series here, you might lose this one. And it's going to probably be closer to 500 than, uh, you know, the the season series with the with the Orioles. Yeah, and the weird, I was looking at the schedule. The Yankees, obviously, are playing the Blue Jays this week. But they, you know, they don't play Tampa until the end of the month, which is the first time they play for the season. I always think it's weird how the schedule will just like stack some teams early and then you'll never see them again. Or you don't even see a division opponent until almost two months into the season. Yeah. I mean, next year they're that that's, that's all gone. Right? I know. They're gonna changing everything up. So. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already checked out the Brian Kenny episode, please do so. I had a ton of fun recording that with him. We will be back again later this week. Oh, we also have a couple voicemail reactions about the nine-game win streak and all the wins that they've had over the past week. So very excited to listen to those. You guys can call up the line uh, 646-480-0342 and submit those mailbag questions at bronxpinstripes.com. We'll talk to you guys in a couple days. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Cheeseburger here. Same guys before. New face. New world. Let's get it. After an off day, we're feeling good after a sweep. Got the Yankees fans up right now. But I'll tune back in tonight to see, see, see if I'm feeling the same way. Hopefully by the fourth inning, I'm calling in on fire, ready to, ready to rock. 6.37 in the morning, and I'm already fired up about tonight. But we'll see. I'll be back. She's burger out. Hey, Pinstripers, it's Eric from Syracuse. And I know they won Friday, but it was very annoying watching Boone put in three relievers, two of which I believe had pitched on Thursday to uh, to finish the game on Friday. Nestor only had 82 pitches through five innings. He looked fine. I think he's proven enough that he can maybe go 100 pitches next time. Boone, you robot fuck. All right, bye. Hey, fellas, this is Greg from New York calling, long-time listener. I was listening to you guys back when you all would uh, number off your episodes and corresponded to a player. Pretty sure my first episode was 55. Matsui episode. Anyway, I uh, I'm liking this team. I like the fact they trade points, no distractions at third base, like you guys talked about. I think once we see how well this pitching staff can keep this consistency going and stay healthy, keep things rolling, I think we might have a nice uh, rotation going into October as long as everybody uh, stays healthy. Sevi, fantastic. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Looking forward to hearing you guys keep the show going. Keep up the good work, fellas. Go Yanks. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Robert down from Knoxville, Tennessee. Hope everything is going well. A uh, couple of sweeps in a row, so I imagine it can't be going too bad. I just wanted to call in. Um, I called a couple weeks ago uh, complaining about Joey Gallo. I probably said some things I shouldn't have. Um basically just said I've never hated a Yankee as much as him and um, I mean I don't want to say 
all that's forgiven. Uh, you know, the strikeouts are still there somewhat. Um, and the start of his season was just unforgivable. I mean, you can't be um, that big of an asset and do that badly. But to see him succeed the past couple series um, has been really refreshing. You know, got a couple of good, um, you know, home runs in back-to-back games against the O's, which is huge for him. Team gave him the silent treatment after, which was absolutely perfect um, on that first one. But just good to see him drive in a couple runs. You know, he got in a couple knocks, a single, a double, I believe. Um, in the series as well. So uh, hopefully things are looking up for Gallo. Um, and things are certainly looking up for the team. IKF, LeMahieu, absolutely crucial to this lineup. They're getting hits. They're keeping the the order going. Um, my goodness, Anthony Rizzo. We should probably build him. Just go ahead, start construction in Monument Park so we can have that 48 up by the end of the season because he is just... Um, I mean, he's probably already a top-five Yankee of all time. But just to see him hit three homers in one game, start the series off right against the O's, continue to crush, continue to hit the ball to opposite field, drive in runs. I mean, the guy is just an RBI machine. And I think he can make a legitimate case. I mean, if he keeps it up, um, you know, even sort of on this pace, he doesn't even have to keep up this exact pace, but um, legitimate AL MVP um, contender. You know, I mean, he might be in a dark horse. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.